Hey everyone, it's Destin from the Gig Salad Green Room Interviews, and we are running out of time for our 10,000 subscriber challenge. If you haven't already heard about it, I'm making a wager with all of our listeners to try and get 10,000 people to subscribe to our podcast by June 1st. If you guys can help us reach our goal, I will get Peace Love Gigs tattooed on my arm and record the whole thing to share with our audience. I'm terrified of needles, so it should be pretty good. Then, if you guys can really take us by surprise and help us reach 15,000 subscribers by June 1st, we'll let all of you pick the challenge for us instead. So leave a comment below, and on June 1st, if we meet our goal, we'll pick the very best of your submissions and include it in our next episode. We only have four weeks left, so like and share and subscribe and tell your friends whatever you can do to help get the word out. 10,000 subscribers before June 1st, let's make it happen. I'm Destin Harrison, along with Megan Frisbee, and you're listening to the Gig Salad Green Room Interviews. Paul Shear is just a pretty cool guy. He's talented, he's funny, he's creative, but I think what I like best about Paul is he just seems to do what he loves. In the late 90s, Paul joined the Upright Citizens Brigade, an improv comedy troupe that's included people like Amy Poehler, Donald Glover, Aubrey Plaza, and Aziz Ansari. A few years later, Paul and Aziz created a sketch comedy show for MTV called Human Giant. After that came the FX show The League, and now he appears as a Cattleman's Ranch employee named Mitch in the ABC sitcom Fresh Off the Boat. Paul's also made guest appearances in countless other shows and movies, written and produced all kinds of content, and created his own podcast, which is almost as cool as ours, called How Did This Get Made? So we're here with Paul Shear. Paul, I don't even know how to describe your career other than you're that guy from that thing. I'll take it. I am that guy from that thing. And I'm sometimes that guy from the other thing that's not me. Like, I'm not Rob Corddry from The Daily Show. <laughs> and I'm not Dave Keckner, who is on that show, Superior Donuts. But we all get confused for each other simply because we're, we're three bald white men. So, you know, there's a lot of, you know, people just see bald white men. They don't see faces. So, but no, um, a lot of times, like I'll be in an airport and someone will be like, I love you on the daily show. And I'll say, thank you. And then when people see Rob Corddry in the airport, they'll say, hey, I love you on the league. And he's like, thank you. We just agreed that we'll take each other's compliments because once you start describing that you're not that person, that just going to get very awkward. It, like, well, actually I'm not him. But then they're like, but I do know you from somewhere. Yeah. So they may not know what they have seen me from and then will be adamant that they have never seen TV. That's the thing that always drives me like crazy. Like, well, I don't watch TV. I'm like, well, I know, but I think you probably saw me. No, I think you dated my sister. I'm like, I don't, I don't <laughs> think so. I really think it's probably something on TV. Like, I, well, I don't, I don't, I've never seen it. I've never, I've, I like, when people get really adamant about how they don't watch TV, which is a pet peeve of mine too, it's like, what, what are you proving? Like, what, like, what, like, I don't understand. Like, I've, n- I've never seen a TV. I don't, I, I, I'm like, I, I don't even know what it is. Like, so, but that always, that always is my favorite thing of people just being like, I just, I've never seen it. I've never seen anything. It's like, you've seen TV. Everybody has seen TV. Yeah. We have TVs in our pockets. Well, that, that's the thing. Do they pull that? Like, I've never seen a TV. Now, Hulu, though. <laughs> Yeah, Hulu doesn't count, though, right? I mean, yeah. I think YouTube the, is not TV. YouTube is a video. The last thing I personally saw you on was, mm-hmm. it was either Hulu or Netflix. Mm-hmm. It was um, Keith from Parks and Rec. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was a while ago. Yeah, I uh, I was on the second season of Parks and Rec. Uh, I filled in the hole. If people don't remember, but Parks and Rec started off like there was a giant pit 
in the middle of the town. I was the person who filled in that pit. The crazy thing about that episode is it ends with me taking off in a speedboat out into the ocean. It was the most like fun and also terrifying thing because no one could be in the speedboat with me. So I was like, I'm not, and I'm not a speedboat captain. So like driving out into the Pacific and then the director, I was nervous. And the director was like, that was great. Now do it funny. And I remember, I always remember that was like my favorite note I've ever gotten. I was like, I was frightened out of my mind. There was a, the real captain was like hidden under the mat, like hidden underneath the bottom of the ship. So it looked like I was by myself. But that was a a really fun, uh, fun little thing. You've been in a little bit of everything. What's your favorite project that you've done so far? Oh, wow. That's an interesting question. Um, You know, they all have different, like, things why I like them. I mean, obviously, the league was a really fun experience because we got to do that for seven years, and it was a great group of people, and it was just a really fun, creative experience. I think the first thing that I ever did was this sketch group with Aziz Ansari, Rob Hubel, and uh, myself and this guy Jason Walner called Human Giant. That was really fun because it was like we got to do our own sketch show and no one gave us any notes. We got to basically do whatever we wanted, it looked, which culminated in us hosting MTV for 24 hours straight live, which was like, amazing. But like, if it, we're talking about like more specific, like small things, I think the dumbest and best thing I've ever gotten to do was um, I met with this company and they said, do you have any ideas that... TV would never do, but uh, but you, you really want to do it because we'll do that. And I was like, well, I'd like to recreate the Arsenio Hall show. And, uh, and they're like, you got it. So I did this thing called the Arsenio Paul show where I recreated the Arsenio Hall show and then had like celebrity guests on to play different people like Jordan Peele, the director of Get Out. He played uh, Tupac Shakur. I had uh, Seth Rogen as uh, Gary Coleman. <laughs> I had um, just the most insane grouping of people. Nick Kroll was Jean-Claude Van Damme, uh, Jack McBrayer, Steven Seagal. So we did these like little uh, recreations. We rebuilt the set, did the whole thing. And we did like a, a word for word, like acting it out, which was really uh, fun because those interviews were insane back then. Like people were saying things that they would never say on TV now. And then we did an improvised version of it. And um, then because of that, I got to go on the new Arsenio Hall show as Arsenio Paul. So it was two Arsenios against each other. And that was, that was probably a real, a real highlight to kind of get to uh, do Arsenio to Arsenio. And I love, too, you had, like, the mannerisms down. Was, and you were, like, you were almost more him than he was. <laughs> he almost didn't know what to do with it. Yeah, when we were on that show, I don't think he, I don't think he knew what to make of me. I don't think he understood what I was, because at that one point, I was like, hey, man, keep up the good work, and you'll be out here in Hollywood soon enough. I'm like, out in Hollywood? I'm like, I've already been working like pretty steadily for a while now. <laughs> Live out here. You know, but, uh, but I think he thought I was like some YouTube kid like who just came on. At Gig Salad, we want to help you create unforgettable moments. Like that time when Patrick from San Jose was looking for a way to win back his ex-girlfriend. Patrick went to gigsalad.com and booked a mariachi band to follow his ex around in hopes that that would win her back. We don't actually know how this worked out for him. There's plenty of fish, Patrick. Book something awesome at gigsalad.com. Gig Salad. 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 Gig Salad.
You're listening to the Gig Salad Green Room Interviews. I like this salad. You mentioned about doing things that you can't do on air or can't yeah. do, you know, a network television, but you can in streaming and how some things are taboo here, but not taboo here. Yeah. Um, did you guys have any skits that got shot down? Yeah, uh, it was a party over here. And that was an interesting experience because, you know, I don't normally work that much in network television. I do a bunch of stuff in cable and I've done a bunch of stuff in streaming and, and stuff like that. That was an interesting thing because we wanted to do certain things that the network wasn't 100% on board with. And that's not their fault. It's just sort of Fox is a very prude network, like the main Fox or whatever you're seeing there that is like the primetime Fox. So, for example, you couldn't bleep anything. And, you know, that's a pretty common thing. Like if you're cursed, you can bleep it. Like we, we didn't expect the curses to come on, but we expected that we could bleep. And then not only could we, we not bleep something, but we couldn't bleep it if you could guess the context of it. So if you were to say, like, bleep you, you could get the context of it, right? Mm-hmm. But if we were to say, like, bleep, 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 pig, bleep, 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 like, like if you had to kind of confuse the context, so then we were allowed to use bleeps. And it was nonstop battles on the phone with just the standards and practices. So our sketches were getting, like, slightly watered down, and, and kind of the greatest example of it was uh, we had this sketch where it was like a ghost hunter style show. It was like a parody show about ghost hunters. And our ghost hunter came to your place. And instead of like uh, trapping the ghost and getting it out of your house, she would have sex with the ghost. <laughs> so uh, so she would go to your house, find the ghost, and then have sex with it. And they made us blur out the ghost. Now, if you think about that, blurring out something that was not there. She was fully clothed. And we had to blur out stuff. So at one point she was, um, and I don't know how, how what I can say on the show. It's a the, podcast. It's yeah, a podcast. I know where you're going All with right, this. So I she, saw had, it. she had to go down on a ghost and they blurred it out. So it looked a million times worse. It was so much more inappropriate. <laughs> it was so much more inappropriate. But that, like, that was the level of it. And then, you know, so we had issues like that. Can you tell everybody about Mother and Son Moving Company? Oh my gosh, that's one of my favorites. Such a funny sketch. sketch. Yeah, that's one of my favorite sketches from Human Giant. It's funny. Uh, I guess we're in the 10 year anniversary of Human Giant, which is insane. We I've just been getting a lot of uh, like emails about Human Giant stuff, which I haven't talked about in such a long time, and I'm forgetting all the things that we did on that show. and And Mother Son was uh, a sketch that we did with Linda Cardellini, who you know from like Freaks and Geeks and ER and a bunch of other stuff. But the idea was, um, there's like that. I don't even know if it's an old wives' tale, but the theory that, like, you know, um, a car fell on a woman's son and she had this superhuman strength and she picked up the car and, like, saved her son, you know. And so we were like, oh, that would be a funny idea for a sketch. What if this mother saved her son from uh, an accident like this and realized, oh, whenever anything falls on my son, I get superhuman strength. So why don't I start a moving company where she'd have to drop a heavy object on her son to then pick it up and then carry it off? So um, the whole sketch, and that, by the way, the kid in that sketch is from the kid from the middle, who has become, uh, like, he's the main kid on the show, the middle. Um, so the idea was, she does this. She drops a piano on her son, she carries the piano out. She drops a, uh, you know, a refrigerator on her son, carries it out. Then, and part of the moving process, the, a bookcase falls on top of me. And I'm like, please, please help me. And she tries to lift it up. She's like, I'm sorry, I, I, I just don't have it for you. You're not my son. And I was like, why don't you adopt me? 
And so then we bring in a, a lawyer and we sign all this paperwork and she adopts me and she's like, all right. And then, and then she basically says, um, you know what? I guess my love will never be as strong for my adopted son as it is for my real son. And that was the end of the speech. <laughs> uh, so uh, a pretty dark ending, which definitely uh, infuriated a, a, a few people. Uh, and rightly so. Uh, but I mean, that's fine. You know, but, um, but yeah, so that was that sketch, Mother Son Moving Company. And, um, and that was one where we got a lot of feedback, too, in standards and practices. Um, they were like, well, you can't say that a mother will never love their adopted child as much as they love their real child. And our showrunner at the time, this guy, Tom Giannis, a really funny guy who's worked on Mr. Show and Saturday Night Live, he said, you know, this is actually um, a very important sketch to me because this is, uh, this is actually based on my life. And the, and the standards and practices person like, what do you mean? He's like, well... Um, I was adopted and I never felt like my parents actually loved me. And then the standards of practices person said, Oh my God, I was adopted too. That's why I didn't want this to air. She's like, but now this is your story. We have to air it. He's like, thank you. Meanwhile, Tom was never adopted. He just <laughs> lied to get the thing on the air. And that's, <laughs> and that is uh, part of the reason why uh, standards of practices is all about what your gut is feeling. So if you can argue your way out of it, you could do it. So that's how that sketch got on the air. I love that story. I don't want to encourage that. I don't want to <laughs> applaud you for that. But I love that that happened. <laughs> I know. It's amazing. Well, you know, like, here's the thing, too. Like, as I'm older now and stuff like that, and I have children, like, it's definitely not like a point of view that I want to like be like, I don't, I don't stand by it as a like philosophy, but in sketch, I feel like everything's got to kind of not, be like it's not. There's nothing sacred in all this stuff. You got to make fun of everything, and it's fine. And do you? How do you deal with people coming back at you with? You kind of ignore it. I think yeah. like back then it was easier. Now it's harder. I think it's like back then we had like an MTV.com like a message board. I like you know I occasionally will see like um, like whatever Donald Trump tweets if you just like look at the responses yeah like i think you got a, a certain level of like famous success you have to be like i'm never gonna look at these i will <laughs> just be in a hole right. like you know for the rest of my life i'll be like <laughs> cut down to the core is there anything that you feel like you personally can't joke about like you remember being offended by this or you feel like this is just too taboo or is there anything that's because you said a second ago nothing sacred yeah. but like is there stuff that other than just what's politically correct at the time or yeah you know, i'm like, trying to think of it like i feel like um i don't know i i i don't think i've been offended by much i think i have sensitivities that have changed but like that but i i don't think i've ever been like offended like how oh, dare you uh yeah i don't think so like but i could tell you like when i first started when i first watched that movie the arrival you know with amy adams and the first couple minutes of this, no spoiler, because like, the first couple minutes basically detail like Amy Adams dealing with her daughter getting this diagnosis of like terminal diagnosis and then dying. And I was like, I gotta, I gotta leave. I can't watch this. Like, and and I stayed through, and it was a beautiful movie. But like, like that, like kid stuff now definitely like triggers an emotional thing in me. Whereas. I would still do a sketch like Shutterbugs, which we did. You know, I have no problem with that. Like, as long as you're treating the kids fine, I have no problem with that. But, uh, but I, I, to watch things, it will definitely, like, different things pull up my heartstrings in a different way. But, yeah, I still would, uh, you know, make kids run a, a, a prison like we did in Human Giant. Like, I have no problem with that. <laughs> and you have kids now, right? I do. I have two kids. I have, yeah, I have, uh, I have about a three-year-old and uh, about an eight-month-old. They're both not that. That's what I say, about. 
They're, yeah. Somewhere, they're closest to that. I don't somewhere be, between five and ten. I don't want to be one of those people like, they're 29 weeks old. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like I, yeah, no, none of that. I think the reason why you say the weeks a lot of the times when you first have a kid is because you're amazed that you're getting through it. Like, I used to be like, they're 15 weeks. That means I'm 15. I, I'm like, it's like prison time. Like I'm marking yeah. it on the wall. And then after, like, then you get to a point where you're like, all right, yeah, now they're just a kid. Like the second kid, I was like, ah, I think he's eight months, you know? <laughs> So back to UCB, Upright yeah. Citizens Brigade. Yeah. It's been a huge part of your career so far. Yes. You still, you still do that, right? I do. So it's pretty great. So I still do a show there uh, every Wednesday night called Facebook, where we take uh, an audience member's Facebook page. We look at their pictures and their comments and everything, then we improvise scenes based on that. And that show is the kind of the same group that has been performing together since... We were in New York on Saturday nights at 10 o'clock. It's now just, it's just, I guess we've been doing it for maybe, God, like 12 years, like of just even that show, you know, but that show is like Jack McBrayer and Rob Riggle and Seth Morris and uh, Owen Burke and Rob Hubel and Charlie Sanders. It's a great, really fun group. I love that show because people don't realize yeah what they're putting on social media until you have it up on a screen and you're making fun of it yeah and then everybody's like oh my gosh i said that well it's crazy it's an interesting thing right because we when we first came out to when we were doing a show in new york it was very easy to talk to people because people were i don't know there there is something about new yorkers that is very different than people from la i mean there's a million people to a 20 minute stand-up act on that but they're like you know so but there, there's a different energy coming from them. And in L.A., people were a little bit more guarded. We were finding that. Like, people wouldn't, you couldn't talk about them. They wanted to be perceived in a certain way, you know. Like, and so what we kind of figured out was, how can we get people from L.A. to really, like, talk about themselves? Well, if we put them on stage with their Facebook profile, like you said, you don't realize what you've put up there until you're forced to be accountable for it. Like you may have posted like 10 pictures from the night that you got super drunk, but you forgot about that. Cause it was like six months ago. But if I'm going through it, I'm finding it. I'm going boom, 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 boom. Talk to me about this. And it also, it's a conversation starter in a weird way. It's kind of a fun, it's kind of like a first date for me. Cause I do the interviews all the time. So it's sort of like, I'm able to look there and be, and find out stuff from people that they wouldn't readily admit, which is really we find out some really interesting stuff and people, their, um, their defenses go down because it's already up. It's already out there. They've already released it. So to release it in front of this audience doesn't feel as bad. Like they probably would never have talked about the time that they did blank or blank, but because now there's visual proof or they wrote about it, then they kind of feel like they have to. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I want to do one last thing before we wrap up here. Okay. In the similar style of mm-hmm. the Facebook interview, we yeah. went through... Everything we could find on your Twitter page. Oh, my gosh. And we have some Paul Shear Twitter highlights here. Oh, my gosh. So well, this is embarrassing for me. All right. <laughs> for sake of time, we'll try not to spend too long on any one of them. Right. But if you could just give a comment on your own tweets. Okay. You follow? Yeah, I All get right. it. All right. So the first, most recently, Springfield, Missouri, where should I eat and should I see the world's largest fork? Did you see it? I didn't. I got in at 10 o'clock at night, so I have to get a, an Uber out to go check out that fork. <laughs> Should I check out the fork? You know... It's a little for, anticlimactic. Yeah. Just a big fork? Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> for the sake of Springfield tourism, I don't want to say no. Got it. But for the are sake of coming, your time, I don't pe- want to say yes. Got it. I hear you. So, like, how far away is the fork? 
It's from from this point from Gig South's headquarters. It's probably fifteen minutes. Okay, it's on the like way south side of town. Got it. Okay, and we're on the north side of Springfield. So I mean, eh. it's it's a big fork. Uh, here's another one. It says, as Pitbull once told me, you weren't at a real party last night if cameras were allowed to capture any part of it. Yes. Um, <laughs> well, that, oh, yes. Well, Pitbull never told me anything. But uh, but there, like, I feel like, why, why did I write that? It's funny because I feel like people are so intent on taking pictures of themselves having a good time or at a really cool party. And I'm like, well, then you're not like, I don't ever take a picture when I'm like the best times I've ever had. I'm not like whipping out like a party time. Like, you mm-hmm. know, like I'm not talking about like my kid, like running in a field. I'll definitely take out my camera then. But like, you know, like, <laughs> if, like I'm at a really fun party. I'm not like, oh, I need to capture this like on my phone. And I and I feel like sometimes you'll just like look through an Instagram on Saturday night and be like, it's my best party ever. Best party. I'm like, it's not. If you thought <laughs> to like do that, then you are not partying you're not like you're not in it you're not in the mo- I, I don't know that so that's um that's that's my 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 take on that <laughs> and how many takes did it take for yeah, that perfect it's gonna party be a little picture. lighting and <laughs> yeah. like what are you getting like yeah all right here's another one i had obama you said i had obama prank call my grandma on at howard stern yes that happened that happened i have the i have it on my phone yeah <laughs> i i i mean i didn't have it wasn't real barack obama um, but I did have a Barack Obama impersonator call my very racist uh, grandmother, <laughs> oh, no. who is uh, very anti-Obama, oh, uh, and um, and it was a prank like long in the making. Basically, the idea was: I know my grandma hates Barack Obama, like with a passion. So I I had told her, "Hey, I'm going to be in New York next week." And I knew I was going to do this prank call. I was going to be in New York next week working with Barack Obama on this fundraiser. And she's like, oh, don't mention my name. Already perfect, right? <laughs> so I gave it like a week. And then, and then I told my mom, who lives close to my grandma, I was like, tell, my, tell grandma that I'm doing this thing with Barack Obama. I just wanted to get it like in the ether. Like, you know, like, because it's like if I just called her with Barack Obama, it would feel unbelievable. But I kind of walked it back a little bit, like at least two weeks. My mom's like, oh, yeah, he's going to do this thing with Barack Obama. So then I call my grandma. I'm like, hey, uh, hey, I need to ask you a question. And I set up this very convoluted thing. But I said, hey, so I'm doing this fundraiser for Barack Obama. She's like, oh, please don't. You know, she's already upset. And I was like, but I can only donate $200. That's the max that I can donate. I said, so I'm donating $200 in my mom's name. I'm going to donate $200 in your name. And then tomorrow morning on the Today Show, where I'm going to go out there and say my whole family is Barack Obama supporters. And I'm going to blame everybody. Like, like, just getting her like, riled up. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 you can't do that. You can't do that. And then and then as she's freaking out about that, I go, oh, Grandma, look, Barack Obama's here. You want to talk to him? She's like, no. And then I gave the phone to the Barack Obama guy. And then my grandma had uh, had a very interesting conversation with him where he started flirting with her. And it was, yeah, and she was yelling at him. And one thing that was really funny about it was she was not impressed. Like, she was like, did not want to talk to him right out of the gate. Like she believes, and to this day, she still believes she talked to Barack Obama. Um, <laughs> like so, she was like, again, like she's like, uh, Barack, I do not want to speak to you right now. Oh and I was gosh. like, oh wow, it was like pretty intense. She's probably granted it wasn't Obama, but she's probably the only person that's ever said that. Oh, I'm sorry, Barack, absolutely. I don't want to speak to you right like, now. Like my, my grandmother, like did not think. This was not like there. There was like she was like I believe this is Barack Obama and I am not interested. 
So did you ever tell her it was a prank? Nope. She, oh no. No, I figured by the time I could figure out how I could like reveal it to her, I was like, you know, it's fine. Cause then I'd like, then she'd have anxiety. Like it played out on the air or like, or why was it for? So, and now it's like kind of the best gift that I give my family. I just send them like the wave file of it. Like so everyone can hear it. Yeah. If you decide to tell her, just have her listen to this podcast. Yeah. Record her reaction and then we'll air it later on. Perfect. I will definitely do that. <laughs> All right. We'll do one more here. You said, when I was Amazon shopping, did I buy myself a gift, have them wrap it, and did I leave it under the tree for myself? Yes. Sure, and I'm proud of that. I did. I did. True story? That is a true story. I was doing a lot of Christmas shopping. I was like, I want this. I'll gift wrap it and send it (laughs) under the tree. And it was nice because it guaranteed that there is one thing under there that I definitely wanted. (laughs) That's smart. Everybody should do that. It was a great, like, it it was nice because, you know, like, it's, uh, you know, I used to be a big mall shopper, and now, like, I do a lot more Amazon shopping, Mm -hmm. and... And uh, and you're doing getting everybody else gifts, and you're looking around. And you're like, oh, I would like that. Why not? Why not Springs? You know, like it's it's the equivalent of uh, getting a Cinnabon when you're shopping in a mall. You're like, I treat myself right now. I've just done some hard work of shopping. So yeah, there's I'm I'm very uh, I was very pleased with that thing. And and uh, and no one asked who that gift was from. It was the best part of it. No one asked. It was just yeah, it was there. I got it. Great. It's awesome. So you opened it around other people. Yeah, with all the other Christmas gifts on Christmas morning, yeah. And what did you say? Did you just pick it up and you're like, oh, thank you. You know, like sometimes there's like a, a not a, a melee, but there's a little bit like of just like everyone's opening their own gifts and, you know, and, and no one's like, like, I'm never like really like interrogating about who gave that to you? What, why? Like, it's sort of like you get your own thing. Like, oh, that's nice. And, and if you're in the, if you're in the, like, because we live in LA, my family lives in New York, so we get gifts sent to our house throughout like that month you know as everyone's like so um there's a bunch of gifts under the tree not we're not opening them with the people who gave them to us so you know we have like uh my wife's sister and my brother-in-law there and our kids so if you're not one of those people who gave it to us like who cares like you know like it's like it's like, I'm like oh thank you to so and so you know and i was you know i was coy about it i was like, this is great look at this oh wow that's so cool no one asked like, who gave it to me yeah <laughs> i like that you acted excited about it oh yeah absolutely do you remember what you got yourself yeah i got myself i mean it's nothing even that great but um it was like uh it was right after rogue one came out and i've been really loving those um star wars like concept books like they they have all the artist drawings of you know the inspirations and and where they went and it's it's just kind of a good big coffee table book that i like so i was like oh that'd be a fun thing to kind of look at and it's just again it's like one of those books that it's nice to have on a shelf and every now and then big oh look at that so yeah they did a good job with it (laughs) did you write yourself a thank you note i did not i should have i should have sent myself a thank you note. that would go to the next level how do you know you got it that's the truth. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I heard that I got it, and I really liked it. I li- actually will listen to this podcast, and I'll know that I definitely got it. That's the problem with the generation these days. So <laughs> ungrateful. <laughs> Paul Shear, thanks so much for joining Thank us. Thank you so much Thank for you. having me. Yeah. Our thanks to Paul Shear for joining us. And if you want to hear more, be sure to subscribe to our podcast, The Gig Salad Green Room Interviews, and Paul's podcast called How Did This Get Made? Also, if you think of someone else who you want to hear us interview, be sure to leave a comment for us. We'd love to hear from you. For everyone here in the Gig Salad Green Room, I'm Destin Harrison. Thanks for listening. <laughs>